Welcome to the Tribe of Two, the officially unofficial podcast for the Star Wars show, The Mandalorian, on Disney Plus streaming. <laughs> I don't know what to call it because they just call it The Mandalorian, it's, but it's Star Wars. It is this. It is for briefly the Star Wars show. <laughs> Fair. Probably by the time we catch back in season three, it will be one of many. It will be a tribe of ten. But yeah. for now, it is the. The Star Wars show, Jim. You're correct. I, I think this might be the only podcast that we have a news segment that we desperately need to talk about uh, today. So we'll we'll get to that. Uh, yeah, it's it's called Chapter 16. It's called The Rescue. It's called a lot of things. Uh, Aaron, what would you call it? Um, to the extent that this episode, that this series has sins, you know, it's uh, besmirching of the stormtrooper our, uh, uh, honor and competency. Uh you know, f- not think not think too much about the details, kind of plotting. Uh, boy, this episode swung for the fucking fences. I think you or I, as kind of almost a joke suggestion, suggested, oh, what if Luke Skywalker shows up to heed the summons of the baby Yoda? Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the time's right and it kind of... And you know what? Uh, as soon as that lone X-Wing floated into view, and I'm like, God damn it, they're going to go for Luke Skywalker. And then he gets out, and he's wearing a black robe and a giant silver buckle. And I'm like, that's Luke the Skywalker. The green lightsaber. I was Ignites like- his lightsaber. It's green. It's like, that's Luke fucking. And my only question was, like, how are they going to get solidly middle-aged, kind of, uh, at this point, Mark Hamill to look yeah. like six years after Return of the Jedi? And I forget. I, I, it's... They've done this now the three times, and it always shocks me when it happens that they can just erase age with CG. I guess it's like if you count the times they've done it in on Tron and the time that they de-aged uh, uh, the, the what's his face, um, uh, it, uh, uh, Jeff. God, I can't remember the guy. Bridges. Yeah, no, Jeff Bridges on Tron, but they also did it with um, uh, the. the the Ant-Man's father-in-law, I guess. I can't remember that oh. guy's name. Anyway. I mean, Leia, they, they did it with her. Leia, uh, they've done it with Moff Tarkin, and now they've done it with Mark Hamill. Um, some people said that the CGI was shitty and whatever, but I, I thought it was really effective. And, uh, well, it's, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not perfect. And and I'm not going to knock it for that, because holy shit, what a moment. But yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. If you're looking for absolutely convincing nowhere near uncanny valley this is not it still yeah wait another 10 years it's getting very close no i and i thought um i really like the theme that they've been building of these foundlings like there's this iconic mandalorian shot of a founding uh foundling over the left shoulder of a protagonist that's taking them somewhere into the background like we saw it with Din Jaren when his Mando picked him up and jetted off. We saw it mirrored with Baby Yoda in the Mandalorian's uh, arms uh, in the mid-season. We saw the inverse of, of that when Baby Yoda was being stolen by the Dark Troopers. And we see it again with Luke Skywalker, Baby Yoda over his left shoulder walking into the foreground and him you know, going being whisked away into another chapter of his life. And I really like that visual through point that they've used for all these these characters um and it felt like a moment you know uh the mandalorian is taking his helmet off and the other stuff i want to see like i feel like all these mandalorians are wrestling with the concept of what it means to be a mandalorian yeah and i think that's that's fucking cool also the the high level trolling they're doing the star wars fan base we're like all right we've settled it Boba Fett's a fucking Mandalorian and another Mandalorian says, you're not a Mandalorian. He goes, I never said that. And now it's all erupted again. Like, I, I love it. I love it. I love it. 
I mean, you're going with all the, oh, the highfalutin thematic connections and what it means mm-hmm. to be a Mandalorian. Fuck that, man. This episode is pure fan service and it fucking nails it. Like, it, it, <laughs> I, I don't even know what they can do to top this ever because as an old school Star Wars fan, Luke Skywalker is one of my favorite characters. Boba Fett, In one of my Star favorite Wars characters. In a Star Wars TV show? Star Wars TV show, de-aged, de-aged Mark Hamill, like a CG Luke Skywalker coming into a, a real life show. It's it's a moment I didn't even think they could pull off and they pull it off. And that's maybe even not the biggest moment in the entire episode, which is mind-blowing, they roll that straight from seeing Luke Skywalker and R2 fucking D2, let's not forget him, uh, or mm-hmm. it, whatever it is, uh, and they roll that right into a post credit sequence, which, oh. if you haven't seen it, shut this off literally right now, because I'm about to spoil it. One Skywalker, yeah. two Skywalker, three Skywalker, Boba Fett going back and shooting Bib Fortuna on Java's throne, and, and, and the follow-on to all of that, it's just... As a fan of Star Wars, you cannot not love this episode. Old ass Boba Fett claiming the 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 Jabba's throne and becoming the king of Tatooine, uh, the book of Boba. What a what a great and using yeah, that like, as a Luke reveal for another show. Yeah, it's or, or I don't know what it is. We'll talk about that. But uh, as, like, I, I feel like like Luke Skywalker saw Darth Vader and Rogue Rogue One. And it's like, all right, old man, watch this. Watch me wreck a whole Star Destroyer's worth of dark troopers dude, uh, for like five minutes. And it's just so like he did all the Jedi tricks, even some of those like kind of gray jet, like like where he like black hole that one trooper and just smashed him from within with the power of the force. Like, God damn. And and the entire time Uh, you're like, they're not really going to bring Skywalker back. Right. And. And the X-Wing flies in and you see the green saber and you see the cloak and you're like, okay, surely this is a misdirect and it's going to be some other Jedi who happens to have a green saber and fly an X-Wing, <laughs> which Honestly, I, I can't name I, that Jedi, but maybe it's I didn't. There. I had a moment's doubt like until I saw the green lightsaber blade ignite, but then it's like I would have, I never had a moment's doubt that it's Luke Skywalker. And in fact, I don't even okay. know how I'd process it if it, it had been like, my name is actually Suk Lywalker. <laughs> and I'm a Jedi of the new. And I, I would have been actively pissed. Yeah, yeah. If they had had they had baited me that far and catfished me with a with a faux Skywalker, nah. Um, it's it's funny because I was making my notes as I was watching this, the outline of that scene, and I'm like, the the uh, single X wing shows up and Luke Skywalker it board it it docks with the ship and Luke Skywalker steps out. Even before like any of that had happened, I'm like, yeah, this is Luke Skywalker. But also, I wouldn't have been surprised. Uh, I think a a show that is not willing to go there, and they have most certainly gone there, uh, ends up pulling back on this, uh, especially knowing what what scenes they have coming up and how cool it's going to be. Regardless, I was I was thoroughly impressed with with just how far they went into fan service here because that's what it is, yeah. and it's great. Yeah. And also what's really cool about, it, I think structurally is that it kind of kicks the door wide open for season three. Yeah. Um, they could get Grogu back and, you know, uh, advance that storyline. They could keep this kind of c- central cast of characters. Um, I mean, obviously Boba Fett's going to be off doing his own thing, but you know, um, 
they 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 the you know, Mandalorian could kind of go off and do his own thing for a season. There's so much more flexibility now that it's not like day in and day out, Grogu, Grogu, Grogu. As much <laughs> yeah. as I think people are going to miss that, but I don't know, man. They, they I could see this being an animated series. Um, you know, kicking back to Luke and Grogu. You know, some kind of like an, uh, the animated series, right? They, they could, I guess. It would technically be, even if it's live action, it would be still kind of animated because Luke's not real and, and neither is Grogu. And R2's either. So, like, yeah. what the fuck does that even mean, live action in this, this situation? But there's a lot of, you know, like, that's, that's the that's the promise and that's the peril, right? As cool as this is, do I have enough room in my heart and schedule for, like, 10 equally compelling Star Wars uh, series? They're all going on, all interconnected. Um, I think that's going to be it. Can they really MCU this and can they engender that kind of like year round week to week excitement? You know, they got quarter to quarter excitement, the MCU, but now you're talking about week to week trying to keep people invested. Uh, If anyone's up to it, I bet this team is. But it also answers a lot of questions about, you know, uh, is this going to be ever be more than just kind of a fancy toy commercial? Um, serial kind of advertising with a big budget or, you know, when the book of Boba, are we going to allow to have a little bit of darkness? Cause I honestly find um, where the Mandalorian is in right now is kind of weirdly hyper violent. Like it's violence has gone way beyond the scale of your average star Wars film. Um, but it also has this really simplified, plot sensibility and i wonder if they can keep the that tension going how many series can they are they going to have they're ever going to get like a star wars after dark that's like okay put the kids to bed we're going to do yeah. some real bounty hunter sith shit now we're going to get at some space piracy uh because like, a lot of the moral questions are getting into mm-hmm. um you know about uh this you know, this this like uh, rebel this this imperial trooper in the beginning the pilot uh, you yeah. know, liquidating people and asking, talking about the millions dead on the, all the stuff that we joke about, like, right. you know, yeah, Luke Skywalker shot a photon torpedo, proton torpedo and, and killed 3 million defense contractors, just innocent working with families on the, they're leaning into that, you know, and the explicitly calling the rebels terrorists. And what does that mean? And I don't know, maybe the double F's are red pilling a bunch of young kids against colonialism and, and, uh, you know, um, be, being being responsible in how you lead people and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. But it's not the stuff you usually see in kids' entertainment. So, yeah, I, I mean, as much as this is a kids' show and it's action format, um, and it's format in general, it is also dealing with some some heavier themes. I think, uh, and and not really shying away from those. Like I'm, it's it's like telling them in this like short shortened way it's like characters will say things that are very much there just to get the point across as quickly as possible because they have 38 to 42 minutes to do it um yeah and and it's meant for kids to be able to understand the basics of and it's never going to be as nuanced as as something like a watchman or whatever right like that's just not what this show does but it is it is going to darker places and more interesting uh I guess adult uh, themed places occasionally, especially with it being a, a worldwide audience. Presumably, Disney Plus you can watch it around the world. Like, how does the man? How, how does this type of Star Wars content play in like parts of the Middle East, Africa, um, parts of Asia, 
Eastern, you're like, you know, where they have recent examples of colonialism and oppression, like it probably means a whole lot than it does like kids in America and, and Western yeah. Europe watching it. And I think that's uh, South America. I wonder what that's uh, I, as those communities kind of like come together and talk about this stuff. I wonder if there'll be anything interesting that comes out of that, because usually, you know, when you've had these sci fi things that delve into these political options, um, stuff like, uh, you know, um Star Wars was kind of um, as much about some of the geopolitical conflicts from an American point of view. Star Trek obviously was a whole bunch of geopolitical cultural stuff from an American point of view. Well, now it's like everybody watching this. What is that going to look like? I think that stuff is all really cool to th- this, to see how it works and and, may- and and whether it does or not. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good Star Wars media out right now. They actually have a couple of games that are on pretty deep discount that I picked up uh, over the weekend or over this week. Um, Epic Game Store is doing a, a holiday sale, and right now, uh, Star Wars Squadrons, which is like a Tie Fighter X X Wing versus Tie Fighter kind of game, um, and then Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order are both on sale. You can get them for like f- less than fifteen bucks each, um, and those are pretty recent and new games, uh, both of which I've been mm-hmm. wanting to play. So I picked those up. Uh, so a lot of really good Star Wars content out right now, and it seems like they're just gonna snowball that into the coming years in a way that yeah. like I'm not super interested in a lot of the things they're doing. I don't know that I'm interested in seeing more of uh you know the the Andor series or whatever it is. I don't know that I'm super mm-hmm. interested in the Ahsoka series, although you know they're they're probably gonna do more in the Mandalorian next year to reinforce that, right? Um, they'll bring characters back in and weave it in and out like they do with the, uh, you know, Avengers and the the side stories there. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I'm uh, I got squadrons, too. I got a, a like a month ago and I got like three missions into it. And then I had to mothball because we got busier at bald move. But I got a flight stick and that I'm looking forward to playing some of that over Christmas break as well. Nice. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. 
Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, let's get into the recap of the episode. Uh, yes, let's do it. Start off with uh, Slave One chasing an Imperial shuttle with uh, Dr. Pershing on board. Boba is able to disable them with an ion cannon, and then they board them. Uh, one of the pilots talks some smack about blowing up uh, Kara's, Kara, Kara, uh, her planet. And so she blows up his head <laughs> with the blaster rifle. You may fire when ready. Uh <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool scene. This is the uh, one you're talking about where also, he's like taunting her about, uh, uh you know, well, not, not even, uh, he's taunting her certainly, but he's like doing it because he's bitter about blowing up millions of people on the Death Stars. <laughs> her retort of which one? Pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's like, you know, which, uh, also, how were you on the Death Star? Like, and not get blown is up? He full of shit possibly hmm. or was he just running supplies and he happened to be off you know off world uh, could be he's a shuttle pilot so you know, maybe yeah, yeah those lambda class shuttles were coming in and out of the deaths the death star 2 especially under construction like that's that's how luke and han and leia ended up on indoor you know they're just yeah. pretending to be one of those things doing a supply run so i yeah i think that that stuff is cool and, and again it's getting to the heart of and they've, they've talked about this like you know what does it mean to be a rebel what does it mean for to be the for law and order because it seems like there's a lot of shades of gray in this galaxy. The Empire's gone. The new rebels, the the rebels are now the new Republic. But they're having, you, you know, people do want a certain amount of law and order. You don't want your shit stolen. You don't want your life threatened. You do need the central government to provide that. And they're doing a shitty job in the Outer Rim. Uh, so yeah, you there know, is like I, I feel very little sympathy towards the Empire, uh, regardless of how. <laughs> much they're trying because they're really going hard on that theme right like all mm-hmm. that stuff with hess they're trying to make us feel something there about it uh this scene there have been previous scenes and previous episodes but like I-, I don't i don't feel that like i'm not buying into it the rebels are the good yeah. guys period like they are of course you know fighting for and, freedom and-, and i value freedom over order every time I agree. But on the other hand, like Hess especially is hard to sympathize with because he's just a monster. Imperial rank and file, you know, if you've lost a million, you know, your buddies and all that and like the people on the planet that do want, you know, protection from space pirates and raiders and whatnot. Yeah, you want the you want the the alliance to step forward and provide that. And to the extent that they don't, it's going to be a failure that could be exploited to. Perhaps the, the 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 ends of the the new order. So right. And it's interesting also the fact that it's. I like how they're kind of like smoothing out all the rough edges of the new Star Wars role because like they're all just law and order, law and order, law and order. What's the name of the new Imperial organization? The New Order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like the evil version of hope and change. <laughs> uh, so it, it, I and I, I, I do it does seem like that's going to be a consistent theme. The yeah. and, and the weird thing is, is there's no happy ending for this particular part of the plot line for like 14 plus years, because we know the new order is just going to get bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. The, the Alliance is going to become the resistance or the Alliance became the Republic, which been, became the resistance. They're going to kind of get run out of the gym for a long time. So this galaxy is kind of going to be in flames for a decade plus. Mm-hmm. And how do you tell stories? I mean, it's a very exciting place to tell stories, but ooh, it's going to be hard to keep it from just getting grim and dark. For sure. 
All right, uh, Boba and Mando find Bogatan and ask her for help getting Grogu back. Uh, Boba gets into a fight with her, um, or, or actually with her sidekick, rather, uh, because he's a smack-talking clone. And Bo agrees to help Mando get Grogu back as long as she gets to keep Gideon's ship and his weapon, the Darksaber. I love this scene. What a sharply written dialect. You know, it has all yeah. the Star Wars bad words. Uh, it's got one side sidekick calling out another. Like, you know, it, it's it's high comedy for this third banana Mandalorian to call out Boba fucking Fett as being a sidekick to somebody. Right. Uh, and the clone stuff, I've heard your voice a thousand times because, you know, I've, I've seen enough of the Clone Wars that know that that's that's literally true. Um, you know, if you if you didn't get to see those episodes, you get to see everything that you missed and the fact of like what the dark saber means, um, and you know what the pickle, what it means to Mandalore, what it means for someone that wants to unite Mandalore. Um, yeah, I I liked it. Uh, the fight scene was whatever, but like you know what, we get fight scenes and spades by the time this episode is over. So yeah, yeah, um, I and, and I'll, yeah, like, this one. Like we talked in the beginning, this re I guess this reopens the is Boba Fett a Mandalorian uh, debate. It's it's I it's really yeah, from a certain point of view, you can probably make any arguments that you want. Um glad I don't have a lot of stake in it. Like I'm just happy to Mando want if Boba wants comes of a Mandalorian, he is. If he doesn't, no skin off my nose. Uh he looks cool in the armor. It's my official position. Speaking of having your skin off, the slave one looks as bad as Boba's armor did before he touched it up. Like, man, they show that shot of it landing, and I'm like, that could use a paint job. Yep. Well, I mean, I, I was wondering, because, like, you know, Boba Fett always looks scuffed, right? I got, and uh-huh. maybe he's got this, like, uh, every five years I'll throw a slap of ca- uh, paint on it, and Empire, Empire and Jedi era Boba was, like, on year four. Finally yeah. gets out of the Sarlacc pit and he's like, it's time to do it. He hasn't gotten around to Slave 1, but he did touch up his armor. And it's probably out there in the desert, uh, you know, braving the elements while he's down the Sarlacc pit. And it's true. It's, you know, getting yeah. sandblasted. Jawas picking so, it to pieces, probably scraping it for paint yeah, chips. I don't know what they're doing, but. It's it's up on the Starship equivalent of cinder blocks getting just stripped mm-hmm. for parts. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, uh, we also found out that the, the dark saber's weakness just in time is that it can't cut through pure Beskar and it's a damn yes. good thing or boy, howdy, the Mandalorian would be over this, this episode, which is interesting. It does seem to heat it up, right? It glows red hot at one point. And that's, I, I don't know if they intend this as an Easter egg or what, because I understood that the only real weapon against a Mandalorian eventually became boiling them in their suits uh, with a special energy oh, weapon yeah. that would heat the armor up because you couldn't really yeah, penetrate yeah, it or destroy weapon. it. So it would heat it up and kill the person inside and then you could take the armor from him. Uh, I wonder if they're going that direction with this and this is kind of the breadcrumb that they're using to get there. That'd be cool. Be horrific. I'd like to see a PG version of boiling someone <laughs> yeah. inside of armor alive. Yeah. It's just a lot of screaming, grabbing your helmet and then slumping. That's true. Yeah. Smoke coming from the seals. You know. Yep. Uh, so Dr. Pershing provides some information about Gideon's ship saying there's a third gen. We were questioning, would they get to the third gen? Boom. We got there immediately. Uh, third gen dark troopers on board and that Grogo is being held in the brig and blow bow plans a distraction that should allow Mando to, uh, it should afford him an opportunity to go get Grogu un- unsupervised. 
or un. They did the flip. They they fl- they flipped the tables on the dark troopers script though, because the phase three dark troop like it was phase one, phase two were ever increasing complexity of droids. Phase three was the dude in the suit. Now apparently the dark trooper project is the first few were just stormtrooper dudes, and now the third oh. generation are the because f- you know I we re- we saw those clone tanks full, and he's wanting to steal Yoda's blood, yeah. and I was thinking like oh well yeah you want to have like dark troopers with dark force abilities. I still think that's probably the end goal, but yeah, they 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 that that was a surprise to me. That was a uh, mild Star Wars heresy. Yeah, there's some discussion about you know the goals of Gideon later in this episode, but it's all bullshit, right? None of it can be taken seriously because it's all right. a trap. But I they they actually they actually rope doped me for a bit. I was buying what Moff Gideon was saying. Uh, I thought this for was like a brief second, leaning into the idea that like oh the Empire just you know wants order and we're actually the good guys and maybe we can convince the Mandalorian that that's true and start getting that message out there so people will buy it. Uh, and then no, it turns out to to not be that. And I I don't or, I don't know how to tell fact from fiction there. You know, like Darth Vader for for what it's worth has always been kind of like the poster child for the term lawful evil. Yeah. You know, and I thought like, okay, I can see a universe where Moff Gideon has got the thing he wanted from Baby Yoda. He doesn't want to make a war with the entire faction of Mandalorians that are that's apparently banded against him. So like yeah, I keep his blood. You keep the kid. Make sure I never see your kid. Like, you know, I, I never want to see your face around this get part of the galaxy again. And just as I was kind of like, OK, well, this makes sense. Then the Darksaber came out and he started yeah. swinging. So, but yeah, <laughs> fucking at Mr. Esposito almost almost roped me in. Almost got me. This acting is too good. <laughs> uh, all right. Boba in Slave One follows everyone else in the Imperial shuttle. Uh, oh, wait, ca- wait a second. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. Can we talk about the stupidity of the fact that these dark troopers cannot be powered up because their batteries are too thirsty? Like 20 of these things plugged into the wall, turned on to this light cruiser would run the cruiser dry, but they can unplug and then do all like what this what? But Hmm. it does it does provide the plot point of they will have several minutes before the dark troopers are functional. Yeah. Um, and they, they, it takes them that long to boot up and get their batteries charged, I guess. But I'm like, what? How? No, no, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. If that was the truth, that they'd run out of power so fucking fast, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're they're not going to have huge batteries on them. Eh, you're right. Yeah. You're but right. Hey, maybe the battery sell. tech on them is is way better than the battery tech on this shuttle or on this ship. They just haven't gotten around to upgrading. Right, the Dark Trooper uh, LiPo battery technology that Elon Musk yeah. got in there and, and was involved in the Dark Trooper <laughs> where they still just got nickel. They got fucking uh, lead acid batteries powering the, the oh, light cruiser. Deep yeah. cycle, baby. Oh, yeah. Those those pre-Clone War era batteries just don't have a lot of cycles left on them. You got to you got to you got to baby them. Got to baby them or it'll strand you in a bad sector and you don't want that. <laughs> Fair. It's a real it's a real skank in the scud pie if you don't watch some battery levels. Sure is. <laughs> All right, so uh, Boba in Slave One is following everybody else through hyperspace, and they, they're all in the Imperial shuttle. Um, and they make it look like when when they come out right in front of Gideon's ship, they make it look like he's attacking them. Uh, yeah. uh, the Imperials respond by launching Tie Fighters, which is a little unexpected. They were hoping they'd take them in. Did you, uh, do you think this launching tube is a is a belated tribute or a, a belabored tribute to Starbuck? Oh, it does feel very Battlestar Galactica, yeah. 
Yeah, I've n- I've never seen Tie Fighters launch from tubes. Uh, I just play like you know Squadrons is a flight simulator where you get to play, and I've never been launched. So like it's kind of kind of I thought it was it was kind of a nice nod, and I figured you know you got Katie Sackoff there, you got Starbuck. Uh, go ahead and put them in tubes and launch them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so she flies her shuttle straight into the launch tube, uh, and Boba takes out all the ties and then flies off, and. And then the Mandos begin fighting their way through the docking bay as Gideon activates the Dark Troopers. Uh, I, I, speaking of TIE Fighters launching, I think it's really awesome to see it from their POV. We we rarely see this kind of launch from the POV of the TIE Fighter pilot, right? The, the times yeah. we do see the POV, it's post-launch. Uh, right. Uh, most the of the time, I'm trying yeah. to think of a an instance where we actually see a TIE Fighter launch from inside the cockpit. It always I'm seems struggling. like they're just flying out of the big hangar bay of the Empire. Like you don't know, you get don't an get external shot. I, yeah, and then video games. It seems like, and even the old, the new, the sequel series. It seems like there's like these like robot arms that hold the Tie yeah. Fighters and like racks that they can just kind of like pour out. But yeah, like the whole tube thing. I don't know. It might be just a light cruiser only deal. Yeah, could be. Um, I thought it was cool though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you also get with. Um, Bo, uh, you know, driving the shuttle right up the the Imperial launch tube. Uh, you get an Anakin style landing here, you know, from uh, episode one where he just flies this thing right in and mm-hmm. like kind of skids to a stop in front of this thing that he's going to shoot with his lasers. It's it definitely reminded me of the prequel. That's his Anakin's shtick. He did that at the beginning of the uh, the, the uh, Revenge of the Sith, where he crashes that cruiser on the planet, and Obi Wan's oh, yeah. got another happy landing. Yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Uh, and what is this? So when they activate the Dark Troopers, what is this like neo industrial ass uh, synth wave rave music that they're playing? Like, th- there's a lot of music in this episode that I I don't think feels Star Wars at all. Uh, yeah, and, and it's clear to me that they are trying to define a new sound for Star Wars, an updated, get away from symphonic sound. Probably because you're either going to just remix Johnny Williams the rest of your life. Johnny Williams is at the end of his life. Like, mm-hmm. I, if uh, you know, he's not going to be around much longer unless I don't know. We unlock immortality. He's in his late 80s, early 90s. Uh, so it's probably a good move, and and also like that would keep everything feeling very samey. And I love the Mandalorian theme. I love the like loneliest, bleakest version of the theme that they play in this episode. Yeah. But juxtaposed with the kind of like, you know, Wonder Woman battle music kind of like, yeah, that, that growly, ravey kind of stuff I thought was weird. I actually thought the entire booting up sequence of the Dark Troopers was kind of goofy the way they cut oh, back, is. you know, still booting up still. But and, and there also, are a couple of moments like that where the Dark Troopers just punching Mando in the face over and over again. That's goofy <laughs> as hell. That looks it is goofy. real stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like something out of uh, uh, like a Pixar version of this, you know, like uh, yeah. uh, the Incredibles. It, it's it's played it it's played as a joke too. Like the mm-hmm. you got the um, you know irresistible fist against the unpunchable object. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. But uh, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. I mean, are we it, just gonna like? Did are, are you gonna just gonna yada yada through the entire assault? Or are we breaking it down? Because I no, got, we're breaking uh, it down. Okay. Um, cool next chunk of it is Mando going one way, everyone else going the other way. Um, and I think at this point it's, it's Mando goes one way. The women go the other way. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All, yeah. all four women. Okay. 
All um, the single ladies, all the single ladies. Yeah, I was trying to come up and with, work the way uh, into the light cruiser. <laughs> I, I was trying to come up with something to call that group, and I was like, the Mandos, but no, he's a Mando, and they only have two the Mandos. Mandalorians. And, so I, I guess the women is what I'll call them, um, because all Wimble four uh, yeah, and the dark troopers activate. Mando tries to shut the door in their face, but one gets through and starts punching him a bunch until Mando puts the Beskar spear through its neck and then vents the other dark, dark troopers into space. It's a lot of things. I, I like the Mandalorian pinch that they put on, you know, where they're, they're walking through this inexplicable space bridge and the two Mandalorians fall off and then they kind of come back in with the pincher maneuver. I like Cara Dune going full on barbarian uh, warlord with her like or her repeating blaster gets jammed and she grabs it and just starts just starts swinging it like a fucking Louisville slugger. I thought that was real cool and it is also a good idea in terms of like power creep to contrive a situation where the Mando scro- uh, uh, squares away squares off against one dark trooper. Yes, to show what a fucking challenge and there's some <laughs> genuine tension at the end of the episode. Like I was suspecting cliffhanger. You know, huh. uh, like it, this might be like because like how the hell did they fight out of this? Like one of these was, a, you know, and even Moff Gideon's like, oh, just one of those gave you. I know. Uh, it's so stupid. They didn't need that line. God, they didn't need no, that line. But there's but a lot of lines maybe, they don't need from Gideon in this episode. <laughs> maybe the 12 year olds watching do need it spelled out the like the actual stakes here. Um hmm. But yeah, I, I thought, uh, and then there's so many, cause like we've been taught like that when the Mandalorian gets his flamethrower out, that's when he's pissed and that's when it's time to win the fight. And when he uses his wrist rocket, well, he, he does the wrist rocket barrage and the flamethrower and all it does is piss the dark trooper off. So right away, like they're teaching us as an audience, like, oh God, uh, the, and, but, but the one trick he's got the Beskar spear and thank God he got it three episodes ago because it does some fucking work in this one. Uh, another thing they do that I, I was happy to see is rather than just knocking stormtroopers heads together and having that, you know, be the, their death knell, uh, they put blaster bolts in each of them. You know, they knock them to the ground and they fire a shot through them. That, I believe, would keep them down. Yeah. Although you, I, I did wonder, as cool as it is, that is like methodical, flop, put stormtrooper on ass, put blaster bolt between their eyes. Maybe just blaster bolt between the eyes. You don't have to knock him down first. <laughs> it's true. Slow. Yeah. I mean, this is the this this episode is the humi- the humiliation of the stormtrooper divisions continues unabated. Like these are the worst. Yeah. Like they they have thoroughly been warped. Uh, stormtroopers are no longer like if there's a four year old child protagonist, if they have a blaster in their hand or a slingshot, much less a lightsaber, I just assume they're going to win because these stormtroopers are a joke. Anyway, the other thing I thought was dumb at first and then thought, okay, they brought this back around and now it's kind of cool is keeping dark troopers inside of an airlock to begin with. Like, really, you're going to store your dark troopers in an airlock where they can just be blasted out with the push of a button and gone. But they make it clear that, no, they actually have rockets. And, And the stuff that we saw where they were falling, you know, to the planet and taking Grogu a couple episodes ago. One ep- I, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, but when they picked up Grogu, they used those rockets, right? And so you could see them being used as a launch weapon. <laughs> like, you would yeah. want them in an airlock to fire them out faster. Yeah, as soon as you get them activated, you don't want them to tromp through the ship and 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 get into... You just want them to just go. Go out the, the egress. So I thought that was cool. And I knew was like, as soon as they got blown out to space, I'm like, well, that's just going to buy you a couple minutes because they're surely just going to jet around to some other part and... 
Right. And Kevy caused problems later, which they did. And they didn't because we had the ultimate solver. Uh, we had the ultimate problem solver land on the ship. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the women make it to the bridge. They disarm the weapon systems, but Gideon is nowhere to be found. Uh, that's because he's in Grogu's cell threatening uh, Grogu with a dark saber when Mando walks in. And Gideon seems to know everything about their plan, including that they killed everyone on the ship because, well, they're murderers. And on the other hand, he's just a guy who wants to study Grogu's blood. Now that he's yeah, done man. that, no problem. I'll give, I'll hand Grogu back over uh, as long as you leave. Of course, this is all bullshit. It's a trap. Uh, G- Gideon attacks him as soon as he turns his back. But Mando wins that fight. I, You know, I there's a lot of interesting thing I want to talk about. Number one, I really like the design of the Darksaber. I like the fact it's got a little bit of a scimitar shape to it. I like the fact that like the way the vortex energy crackles over the blade gives it almost a Damascus looking steel yeah. uh, the, uh, pattern to it. But I also, I wonder if they're hinting with Moff Gideon that the true believers on the Empire believe in this balance of the force crap as much as the, the rebels do. And that they see Palpatine being killed and just a Jedi as now the universe is imbalanced. And this is going to lead to the resurrection of Palpatine because you got and I've always thought that was kind of like. Like a long term interesting plot to explore in Star Wars to the extent that the force is imbalanced. Is it imbalanced because the Jedi made it that way? Because all the guys are good in the galaxy are these emotionless, like, you know, repressed uh, can't love, can't fear, can't lose, can't form attachments. Like that's the thing that's fucked up the force and that you can balance it by just having a bunch of evil. But the idea that you could balance it within a person, um, man, I, I would love to see a long-term arc where it's like, that's what the Jedi realize that they, it's not that they need to be more Sith like, it's just that they need to be, uh, they need to stop being afraid of the negative side. They need to master that side. They need to integrate it with themselves, a fully integrated person. Well, but I wonder if that's kind of like the Empire is pers- this remnant of the Empire is, is trying to do the equal and opposite thing that the Jedi were doing in the prequels to try to restore some yeah. balance of the Force because now it's out of whack and look the gal look at the state of the galaxy, Jim. Yeah, no, you could be right. Um, they're all about the order, and so if that's what's going to bring order, they'll probably go after it. Uh, I, maybe we'll get some more of that in the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show, right? Because Mando is not really mm. the place to do that. Um, I don't know. With 15, 100 new shows, whatever, coming, uh, they'll probably they got, get to they that got eventually. Space. Yeah. They got space to explore it somewhere for sure. Absolutely. Uh, my big question in this scene is when, you know, Mando sets down, or Baby Grogu's, Baby Grogu, Baby Yoda sitting there, uh, just chilling with these little infant cuffs on. Look, he's not Kamiko's brother from the boys. He doesn't need his fucking hands to aim at you to do his magic, his Jedi magic. Couldn't he do something about this scene? Couldn't he crush Gideon's windpipe? Couldn't he do something? Yeah, I, I think that because we've seen manacles in the Star Wars universe and they don't glow blue. Mm-hmm. I think you're supposed to understand that there's some kind of sal- salamari... Uh, you know, a field effect kind of like force nullification going on there. Um, okay, but it's it's hard it's hard to know. But yeah, because yeah, otherwise, yeah. I mean, especially Jedi with Thrawn need... in the mix, right? Like maybe there's right some right. shit. And, and like ju- just like there's like six different canonical metals that can block a lightsaber. There's like five different things that can nullify a force field, including like the like canonically. Well, 
I guess legendarily, the Yazong Vong, that's what one of their big deals is. They're just like um in there's like big holes in the universe as far as the force is concerned. It does not you know, the the energy field the permit doesn't penetrate these living beings. So which is yeah, that's sort of a, cool. Not much not much of a camouflage against the Jedi, considering you're just a void and everything yeah. else around you. They they just see you like predator vision or something. I think that's what they, they eventually, that's actually a plot point that, yeah, like when the Jedi realized that they have to focus on the absence of something rather than yeah. the presence and it became a lot easier to fight them. But uh, anyway, I was shaky because I thought the Vaughn were kind of stupid and I gave up like halfway through that series and kind of never went back to Star Wars novels. But hmm. uh, all right. So Mando takes Gideon to the bridge where he tries to give the Darksaber to Bo-Katan, but she can't accept it. She actually has to win it from him in battle or it doesn't have any power because I guess the power is its story which you know that makes a hell of a lot more sense than somebody gets a magic sword and becomes the ruler (laughs) but it's still like it's still just Mandalorian bullshit like oh oh, yeah but but it's not bullshit in like I I will take all I I will challenge all comers with this sword like Mm -hmm. you can't rule a planet with a sword Sorry, uh, but no, you can rule just... it with perceived authority uh, and with the story and the, the mythos behind it. So everybody gets together and agrees that she takes it. Like to me, this is like the 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 Mandalorian helmet writ large. Like this is just more Mandalorian bullshit. Here's an idea, Mandalore. How about free and fair elections? What if you found the best job uh, for your planet by just doing that, and it doesn't? And then then you give whoever wins that election the sword as their you know. What if office. what if whoever had the conch was allowed to speak and no one else was? <laughs> right. The Mandalorian conch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what the Darksaber is, right? That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, this seems like a like this is um, this just seems dumb. Like this just seems like there's an easy and obvious political resolution to this. And to the extent that they're not going to do it is just like, you know, the fact that, again, we're watching a Saturday morning TV show. Yeah. But uh but yeah, and I also think that that's actually a plot point. I think that the Mandalorians kind of getting right about what it means to be a Mandalore and what it means to be, um, you know, uh, whether you can show your face or not show your face or have to hold the saber. Like, I, th- I feel like it's going to be all part of the plot to unravel the stuff, um, which is cool. Like I said, as, as someone with some mixed up ideas about culture and religion growing up, like I, I think this stuff is all cool and feels feels pretty good. So then an alarm goes off, alerting everyone to the Dark Troopers reboarding the ship. They prepare to stand their ground on the bridge as the Darkers, Dark Troopers punch their way in. Uh, do you want to talk Cara about the Dune. scene? It's, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, Cara Dune throwing Moff Gideon on top of a blaster pistol. LOL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, he was more secure just standing there. You threw him into a pile of weapons and then his furtive, like, covering it with a cape. Like, come on. I know. Come it's on. so cheesy. So goofy. Yeah. Uh, then another alarm goes off, which also is goofy. Just alarm after alarm. I mean, it's all, like, building and the tension that they're building is good. Like, it, it, you know, it has a pacing to it that is just off-the-wall bananas crazy. Um Mm-hmm. And that's that's a thing that they nail in this episode is the pacing. But another alarm goes off, an X-wing flies into the hangar, a Jedi gets out, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm trying to not spoil the reveal here. A, a Jedi gets <laughs> yeah. out, kicks the asses of all the dark troopers. Uh, Gideon tries to kill Mando and then himself when it doesn't work, but he stopped. Uh, the Jedi fights 
fights the the way to the bridge, reveals himself to be Luke Skywalker. And then Mando says goodbye to Grogu by taking off his helmet, letting him look at his face. And then uh, Grogu says hello to R2-D2 and leaves with Luke. My son, let me look at you, upon you with my <laughs> own eyes before you, know, you go. I hadn't even made yeah. that connection, but yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um. So what... I thought that he was going to tip it up and just show him to baby Yoda wink at and him. like everybody else would be seeing his back and kind of like have that moment. But it seems like we are entering the helmetless Pedro Pascal era because yeah. I'm a little surprised like, you know, that like, uh, well, I took my helmet off once for a good cause and it didn't kill me. So, you know what? Fuck it. Maybe we don't need helmets like I'm. I don't know, or maybe it's like uh, he's getting ahead of this whole dark saber business by saying like, uh, "Hey, you know, uh, I used to think I had to do a certain thing a certain way, and now I took off my helmet. So here, take the sword. It's just between us three, you know. I will never. Or is it, is it a fight to the death? I don't know because like Mando didn't kill Moff Gideon, and that transferred ownership to that. He just kicked his ass. So it's like, okay, here you go, Bo Katan. Flip you the the Beskar spear and uh you know get do a spirit to try to take it from me yeah give me like, a black eye like, we'll say it's good yeah make it look good I'll I'll swear to God I'll swear to everybody that you kicked my ass but uh I don't know that's the thing like it's a it'll be interesting to explore what does cheapen a Mandalore's Mandalorian's are uh, honor you know because it's not like just because taking off your helmet won't do it doesn't mean there's nothing you can do to besmirch it. So, like, where is, like, is, is, like, telling a lie for the greater good a problem? Just telling a white lie? Saying someone their ass doesn't look fat in that armor? You know? Like, <laughs> Boba, you look you look fine. You look fine for a bounty hunter of your age. It's fine. It's not, fine. Not you, look, sure. you, look, you look solid, thick. It's in. Yeah, like, you know, is, is, is that is that besmirch your honor? Telling him the tenth time he's fine. Uh, yeah, dad bods are hot. Don't worry, Boba. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, I, I think that stuff is the really interesting, uh, things that they could explore and, uh, also stuff that can really, you know, if we're talking about the, uh, lots of families watching with kids, lots of opportunities to talk about things about like how we feel about good guys and bad guys and how they do their business and what it means to be good. Uh, and whether that's a rigid rule of uh, code of rules or taking care of people like I, I, that's, that's, that's great for family entertainment to be kind of dipping their toes in this. Um, and I uh, like, yeah, that stuff is all cool. But then the the super cool stuff that they do here um, and then the stuff that, you know, Favreau has been has mastered is the, the pacing, the buildup, um, the, the generating excitement and anticipation and then paying it off. All of that is used masterfully in these scenes where they're revealing Luke Skywalker like. It's it's like almost like a five stage reveal. There's so many mm-hmm. things they do, right? They they so many markers of Luke that they sort of breadcrumb out for you. Like the X wing is number one. Um, mm-hmm. Then X wing. Then the Jedi in the robes, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then the green, green saber coming out. Then when he force chokes, I, that's not a thing you could do to a droid. But when he, right. is, for lack of a better term, force chokes this droid you see the gloved hand, right? Doing the yep. thing. And you're like, Luke has the glove. Uh, and then he comes to the, to the bridge and he's fighting his way through. And then he, they finally do the reveal. It's, it's like every step of that is so perfectly paced. And then 
they get to the reveal of Luke Skywalker and you see the CG work that they've done and you're like, that's not quite perfect. It's a, it's a slight bit of a letdown, but ultimately it's so cool that every, like everything else is so cool and well done that it erases that uncanny Valley feeling for me. Uh, and then they yeah, follow I, it on with that post credits thing, which is what, in my opinion, makes like puts it over the top. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I actually I'm going to defend the CGI. I saw a lot of people taking shots at it. I thought this was the most I thought Tarkin is pretty convincing. Princess Leia was pretty convincing. I thought mm-hmm. Luke was like rock solid. There's a little bit, especially uh, with the face and the speech. There was a little like yes. a little uncounted value when they're clearly layering this over a human actor. And like there's like I, I felt like I saw some weird artifacting in the movement and stuff. Some some of the way they composited that effect. But like, yeah, that's good enough for me. That red is Luke Skywalker. I could watch 30 minutes of this guy walking around and still think, you know what? That's my Luke Skywalker. That's Luke Skywalker. I knew as a boy. And he sounds like it, looks like it, credited as Mark Hamill in the credits. That's fucking Luke Skywalker. Well, that's part um, of it, right? It's like th- they're, they're setting the bar so high, so insanely high for themselves that they almost couldn't live up to it with the CG technology that exists. Because as they're you know laying out the, the glove and the saber and the robes, I'm, I'm thinking, what version of Luke is this going to be? If it is, in fact, Luke, and I'm pretty positive it is, what version are they going to show me? Is it going to be the CG version? Is it going to be a heavily made up Mark Hamill? Um, I kind of wish they'd gone with that. Like, you know, there's I, just I so much anticipation around it. It's it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so whatever they reveal, it's like that limiting of options of what it could be and how amazing it might be is inevitably going to give you a slight tinge of like, I wonder if the other thing would have been cooler. Um, and, and and until they actually showed his face, I thought the most likely thing they would do is just keep it half hood hooded, and he would just right. be, you know you would you would. Uh, I was like, will that work if they have a silent Jedi just coming there? And because you know, they also made speaking of signifiers of Luke, I thought like Baby Yoda like being fixated on his picture and like cooing over like that showed that there was some kind of connection. You're supposed to, I know he's Grogu and he's not technically Baby Yoda, <laughs> right? Could still be a clone of ba- of of Yoda. I still think that's not off the table. Yeah. Um, and then the idea that like when I, I liked how the Mandalorian's like he doesn't want to go with you, and Luke corrects him. It's like he does. He just wants your permission. He wants his dad to say it's okay. The other thing you say about Fa- Favreau um, is I never thought I would get weepy or misty eyed in a Marvel a stupid superhero movie, and probably three or four of them they got me. Especially a lot of the Avenger, the End Game, and Infinity War stuff. I, I was a hmm. sucker for. I actually got just a, ever so slightly choked up when he took his helmet off and, you know, Baby Yoda caressed his face and, you know, he was looking over him with his ears uh, and his eyes, looking over Luke Skywalker's fa- shoulder as he's going away. Like, he's in good hands, but, you know, that's uh, that's dad saying goodbye to you at the university, you know? Uh, you're a man now, Baby Yoda. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I mean, I'm and a, also I'm a phase the, three dark trooper, so I didn't feel any of that, but <laughs> sure. I get you. I understand why a human could. I like R2-D2 also, like Baby Yoda taking immediate like sh- liking and shine to him and kind of the way that like Yoda was always fucking with R2. I thought that was yeah. that was a cute little homage to that, too. Um, again, I don't know how much of this stuff, and I also, I haven't read any feedback, or not feedback, um, I haven't read any like critical commentary about this stuff yet. 
But I also wonder, like, what is the fan? Like, everyone loves Baby Yoda. What's the reaction to the Mandalorian just giving this guy up to the first space warrior monk that heeds the call? I mean, it's also not clear. And then I guess a lot of people had the problem with the fact that here's Luke. Here's the Luke Skywalker. Everyone in this room knows who Luke Skywalker is. You have Mm -hmm. to, right? You have to. The man that killed Darth Vader and Palpatine. Yeah, like the hero of the New Republic and the Rebellion. There's the one that destroyed one and a half Death Stars. There's no way you haven't heard of Luke Skywalker, but he's heard of a lot of these people too. Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and him has got a history. Uh, you would it's think true. that like he would have heard of Ahsoka, you know, to her his 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 father's old Padawan. Like you know, he hasn't gone through the Jedi archives, the Jedi Chronicles that Yoda gives him. We know that's. Well, new Bo- canon too. So Boba's not on that ship, right? Boba's gone. He he jetted off. So Boba's not there. But yeah, Ahsoka, you're right. If he, oh, I if guess she he is was not the Padawan room. of his father, he'd probably know a little history, especially if he's been reading those Jedi books. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps the Queen of Mandalore, you'd know that too. I, I just think it was it was you know the show has only a limited amount of time to do it. But I thought maybe like Luke would be a bigger moment from that. But like. You know, you just can't think about it too much because yeah, that's man, just this not is just, just about perfect. I, I couldn't have yeah. wished for a better finale for this season. Uh, yeah, which rolls right into you know post credit sequence where we see uh, we're on Tatooine and they start they start that off too right with the twin sons and then you see the outside of Java's palace and you're Java's like oh cat, fuck yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Bib Fortuna is sitting there ruling on Java's throne in in his power vacuum. Uh, and then Boba Finnick, Boba and Finnick shoot their way in, uh, and just straight up kill him. Like I, I didn't know what was going to happen there, but they just murk him, man. Just mm-hmm. put a fucking blaster bullet right in his chest. He slumps over and they, Boba takes the throne and she sits down right next to him. And then we get hit with the, the stinger here, uh, is some text on the screen that says the book of Boba Fett coming December, 2021. Yeah. Uh, just 12 months away I do wonder because like I, I thought it was a nice touch Finnick freeing the slave girl uh-huh. um, what do you think she thinks about if she goes back and watches a special edition of uh, Return of the Jedi and like Boba's macking on all the slave girls you know <laughs> giving him the little come here underneath the finger like uh, Boba, be- Bo- Boba better watch the throne she gets her hands on the special editions what's this shit I thought yeah, what 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 are you Fair. doing here what are you doing here Fett uh, I mean, it's a, I mean, yeah, that is, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to say too much about it because like the, uh, the, uh, the idea is audacious. This is very star Wars legends type of material that like Boba Fett's going to come yeah. this old ass Boba Fett's going to come here and kick, kick Boba's castle over and sit on his throne and declare himself King of crime in the outer rim. Yeah. That's a, a big, big idea. Well, this uh, gives me like Tales of the Bounty Hunter vibes it, all, all over. When they it, call right? it Book of Boba Fett, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, you know, available at ba- with Bantam Books uh, at yeah. your bookmobile this summer. Like, yeah, it felt exactly like that. And I, I could see this being so much so that I could see this being sort of a mini series or a movie because I, I don't know. Disney just did uh, their big insider thing, whatever, um, where they announced all these shows, but they also said a season three premiere date for uh, for The Mandalorian is December 25th, 
2021. So this thing is also coming out at that time, December 2021. You have to assume it's not going to be a whole other series running simultaneously with the other. It might be a movie, a mini series. People are speculating it could be the third season of The Mandalorian, and The Mandalorian doesn't necessarily mean oh uh, shit mando it, or din Djarin, it could also mean the guy who keeps saying i never said i was a mandalorian right like or anyone that's wearing mandalorian armor like they could do a bo-katan, bo-katan season, yeah it could be like an anthology and they could all kind of like go in and out of each other's orbits and have alliances and frenemy stuff like exactly and you can see this being sort of a a good place to take a break from the mandalorian story because he's he's accomplished the mission that he started in episode one and now he's taken his helmet off, right? That's a signifier that maybe his journey as a Mandalorian is coming to a crossroads or an ending of sorts. Yeah. This might be a time to jump off and just do season three as Boba Fett uh, running Jabba's palace. I, yeah. I don't know. That'd be cool. Because it's not that there's no threads to pull there. Like, you know, uh, the man, our Mandalorian still has to kind of figure out what it means to be a Mandalorian. Also, he's cool taking Absolutely. his face off. Or his helmet off. What happens if he runs into the armorer again? Yeah, is she gonna like pull his tribe of two shit off? Grab that uh, big ass tri- hammer, what? smash his Besker yeah. spear into bits. Yeah, he's got a Besker hammer. It's the only thing that can penetrate Besker steel is Besker hammers. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that you could actually do around that. Him finding his way in the galaxy and figuring oh, yeah. out what it means. But like, you're right. All the burning questions have been answered. Baby Yoda is safe. Like, if if he's safe anywhere, it's in Luke Skywalker's arms. Um, but they also, yeah, like I, you're right. It is for this show, the perfect way. And it exceeded all my expectations. I mean, yeah, the second Luke Skywalker showed up, I was just mind blown. Like I, this show, you know, like, yeah, it's got some lazy plotting. You shouldn't ask too many questions, but like the, the audacity of what I was seeing. And then when I started, I hit, I started to, the, the stop the episode and I saw there's seven minutes left on the credits. And I'm like, Oh, what is this after credits? I thought it was going to be like a joke or uh-huh. like maybe Ahsoka winking at the camera and being like, I'll see you in 2022, kids. But Boba Fett, what a great scene. I mean, it's what a, it's a scene. post-credits advertisement is what this is. Uh, a lot, you know, Marvel does that. Uh, Disney, Disney does yeah, a Disney that. Move, yeah. like, mm-hmm. This is as a, a Disney-ass move right here. Uh, and it's good to see that like, you know, Luke Skywalker showed me that he showed me a lot of things. As a young man, uh, but as an, as a 38 year old man, he showed me that Disney is fucking committed to doing this right. Right. The, the amount of energy, like I don't know how much money they're putting into this. Probably a lot given yeah. the technology behind it, given the stars involved, but they are throwing their weight behind Star Wars in a huge way um, between the announcements that we had this week and this secondary announcement, which I guess that has to be why they did those big announcements. Right right now because yeah. they knew this episode was coming out with this reveal it's spoil yeah a little bit of uh, but they're they're in they're all in and i don't know I'll, I'll tune in for some of it i'm sure yeah i mean like i said it's like is it gonna be everybody's cup of tea like there's like even the most hardcore star wars fan just they're not doing you know are you doing the rebel friends like the barbie star wars stuff and if you're into that are you doing the like the the brief horror core do you remember that when star wars tried to do some horror oriented star wars novels and they had uh i forget what no. it was but there's this one that's had a really notable cover of like a stormtrooper helmet covered in blood hanging on a meat hook and uh they, they there's like star wars is a big big universe and no one has seen a hundred percent of it surely 
and is into 100% of it. And I don't have any obligation to that, too. I'm going to take a look at the projects that and the properties that I think are interesting yeah. and they're getting the buzz, and, and we'll see. And as far as official coverage, man, I don't know because, like, I do think that this is in good hands, but I also think that sometimes greed can fuck with you. You know, if you if you grab that money spigot and you open it up to to full blast, it's, see Star it's, Wars it's, episode seven, nine, seven, eight, nine, like yeah, yeah, or just seven if less you make seven, eight, too nine. much. If you make too much excellent content, like what if there is a Marvel Cinematic movie that came out every week, right? They, no one, they, uh, the vast majority of people would not see all of those. It's just too much to keep up with. So sometimes it's not even, you know, uh, uh, it's not even that you're making bad stuff. It's just you're making too much of it. You're flooding the market and it's devaluing everything. Because all my life, Star Wars has been an, a special experience. You know, it's something that only comes around, you know, in the beginning of my life, once in a lifetime. And then like every 20 years and then like every five years. And then once I was excited when like, holy shit, what if we get a Star Wars movie once a year for the rest of our lives? Now I'm looking at Star Wars, you know, 52 weeks out of the year. I'm yeah. very curious to see how much, and if that's even their plan. Because, like you said, some of the stuff could be made for TV movies, mm-hmm. could be miniseries, could be uh, uh, what? Do, uh, 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 what do they call the anthologies? things? That are, uh, anthologies, okay. yeah, it could be anthologies, all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, the the thing that it's clear that they're trying to do is fill out Disney Plus, right? That's that's the number one thing. Um, yeah, as a service, they want people to sign on to that. So, more content. A lot more content, for sure. Uh, shall we consider feedback? Do you yeah. have any other thoughts about the episode? No, let's do it. Of course, you can send uh, feedback to Mando at baldmove.com or discuss the Mandalorian or forums, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, I don't think we plan on having a wrap-up podcast. Uh, you know, like, uh, we are shutting down for two weeks. Uh, by the time we come back, I don't think Mandalorian is going to be, a you know, hugely relevant. And I think that, you know, most of the stuff we wanted to say were said. And a lot of people have got the obvious questions they're asking the feedback. Um, so I wouldn't expect us to come back to Mandalorian until there's a new Mandalorian. Or um, I also, like, I, I guess if we were going to do future Star Wars stuff, it would probably be a good idea to keep it in the Mandalorian feed, maybe. Like, I don't know that it would be as smart to have a feed for. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to see. We might turn this into bald move Star Wars or something. Uh, but uh, yeah, like any Star Wars, anytime that we, we cover something, we'll definitely cross post it here. So you guys won't have to miss out if you're subscribed to this. Or I suggest subscribe to Bald Move Pulp because if you like space stuff and wizard stuff and big swinging for the fences, science fiction type stuff, Bald Move Pulp has got you covered. So. Uh, let's, let's open up the feed bag and see what we got here up front laser face. I have a bit of feedback regarding Mandalorian season two, episode seven, chapter 15, the believer when the Mandalorian gets scanned by the Imperial terminal. I have a bit of a fan theory that Din was one of the Mandalorians who fought for the empire in the Mandalorian war. There's a season of rebels that elaborates on this, but basically after the Clone Wars, the Empire was able to enlist several Mandalorian clans to put the planet Mandalore and other neighboring planets of the system under Imperial control. They had to use clans because the Mandalorian people wouldn't bow to the Empire, but they would bow to a Mandalorian working for the Empire. The leader of one of these clans, Gar Saxon, was also the commander of the Death Watch, the band of Mandalorians that rescued Din during the Clone Wars. So it is entirely possible that as a young man, Din served under Saxon as an Imperial-endorsed Mandalorian. That would mean that he would be in the database. However, he would have served on Mandalore as an Imperial enforcer to keep the people under the rule of the Empire. Hmm. Um, 
Anyway, that's my two cents. Glad you guys are enjoying, uh, or glad you guys are covering the show. A quick, oh, so let's, let's, I don't know there's much to say there other than I kind of thought that's one of the things they might be hinting in is like, oh, this is an interesting piece of information we didn't know about the Mandalorian. But I feel like Bill Burr's character would have commented on that, right? Like, holy yeah, shit, how did you get surprised. into an Imperial Terminal, you know, something like that. Or this isn't going yeah. to work. You have to show your face and you're not in their files. Or Right. He didn't so seem I, very I, worried, I, though. Um, but yeah, yeah, that certainly would be an explanation for what went on there. Yeah. Um, a quick question completely unrelated to Star Wars. Are you planning on covering any of the upcoming Marvel shows? Um, thank you guys for an endless stream of content and Merry Christmas. What are they? So I know WandaVision is a thing. Um, I know. I, I, I don't know when they start. Very little uh, like, interest in that. It seems real weird. Honestly, uh, the best bet for that stuff because, like, jumping in on season one is usually not our style. Like, I mean, we didn't do yeah. it the Mandalorian, and, and it worked out pretty good for us. Um, but if we watch it, the best place to get it would be our OTC or Off the Clock show, where we talk about stuff that we're not doing a main podcast on. That's a club feature. But if you really want to, uh, I, I, yeah, if WandaVision comes out, I guarantee I'm going to watch it just to see. And if I do, uh, which is, yes, I will, I'll be talking about it on OTC. And then if it's a big runaway hit and I really like it, then we'd be talking about expanding coverage in the future. Jesus, there's a lot of them. Uh, right. That's the thing. It's like and we got to that's one of the, our chief jobs in, in January is the first couple of weeks is we kind of plan out loosely the whole year and see how things are lining up and what might be able to fit and what. Because, you know, we're just two dudes is the big problem. We have a finite amount of time on the planet Earth to talk about stuff and. We sometimes have to pick our pods. Uh, but thanks for the interest and Merry Christmas to you, Donald. So you guys asked on last week's podcast about the Marines and stormtroopers being able to aim right out of training as a former Marine. Yeah, I took great pride of being able to hit a target at 500 yards with just open sights. As we said in the core, reach out and touch somebody. Even now, after being out of the Marines for over a decade, I'm still proud that I was a master marksman and could do it again with relative ease. And I'm sure that stormtroopers would be. Uh, able to do so as well. Yeah, thanks, man. That's what I, I'm saying. Like, being a decent shot is pretty much about having good equipment and practice. You know, uh, their design, like, you know, they want to make these things as easy to kill people as they possibly can. We've worked for centuries and centuries in Star Wars universe, tens of thousands of years to perfect it. I categorically reject that the stormtroopers, even if they were the base army unit, would be as bad as they are. And, uh, but, that's the joke, right? I don't have another rant in me, but thank, thanks for heeding the call there, uh, Donald. Steve, I got a quick comment on the Believer. The quality of the Stormtroopers is something I've been okay with up until this episode. I'm okay with the concept that the Mandalorian and his friends are elite warriors and through concealment, cover, skill, and bravery are able to regularly dominate other lesser troops. The issue in this episode is, though, when the Stormtroopers are at the base defending against the pirates as the mineral truck pulls into the refinery... They do not miss a single shot. Right. Later in the same episode, their skill level then falls through the floor. Would have been easy to have the stormtroopers miss half the shots and still win. As a veteran, another veteran, I have a few other thoughts in the episode. One thought that immediately came to mind was in the chow hall. One, the one large room where the general practice was that officers ate in one corner and the enlisted personnel had the rest of the room. It so happens that one of the only two ATMs on the base were in the quote-unquote officer's corner. Huh. It certainly wasn't against the rules to be there, but it was a great way to get your balls busted when some <laughs> senior felt like it was time to have uh, an- to have you give an answer for the RPG dialogue tree of, who are you? What job unit? How's X-Task doing? 
Uh, and I so think someone who's out of the, yeah, yeah. And he says that someone he goes also he says, if someone was out of the service for six years, he thinks he could bl- bluff their way through that interaction if they needed to. Um, also, I really like your thoughts in the last episode. I've always uh, wanted anonymous hordes to be more fully developed in TV and film. I've served with people who joined for many different reasons, from people who were hungry, kicked out for being gay as young people, former members of insular religious communities uh, that got the boot at 20, a few true believers. I personally was broke with a broken car after one year at community college. It'd be interesting to me to see the motivations for joining and serving being more flushed out by both the rebel and imperial side. Uh, I think you're right on there. Um, it would be yeah. interesting to see like the rank, you know, like what did the stormtroopers on Hoth, you know, like I always thought that's so interesting. You had these line officers going up and down, like bucking up the troops. Like here comes the at at walkers boys get ready for them. Like, what are they saying? What are they doing? Like, what are the rebel fight songs? What are, what, what makes them all tick? Uh, I would love to hear see some more of that. Sure. Yeah. I'm sure. They'll do a series on that coming coming in 2023 yeah uh what did the ba- band of banthas would be called <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the elite the elite 423rd bantha squadron uh and or ba- uh, the bantha battalion the fighting banthas what are they up to why they serve oh they can just do the, just straight up do the 501st like well, Just I almost said, right? did, like, did, did they have the balls to humanize stormtroopers after all this bullshit to be like... They do. They did that last season. They did the finale episode where they were just shooting the shit, right? And yeah, nothing else. but I'm thinking more of like a Finn character because the thing about Finn is like Finn, gotcha. we knew him as a stormtrooper for 30 seconds. He immediately repudiated it and joined the rebels. So it's like, yeah, why would someone join the empire? And I think you could do some stories that, uh, you know, again, it's, there's a line, there's a fine line between the, um, glorifying the empire, which is an evil organization and also explaining why rank and file people might, you know, cause it's easy. It's like, if you had your dad served on the death star and you were proud of him for bringing order to the galaxy and Luke Skywalker blew up, you're probably going to hate the rebels and want to join up the, to fight them, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot. That's that's what it comes down to. So that would be super interesting. Trev, I'm shocked, shocked that no one has pointed out the hilarious parallel between the Mando's mustache reveal and the Rick and Morty Mad Max episode. When Summer's boyfriend takes his helmet off, he has an almost identical but blonde mustache. Nice. Reaction is lukewarm, mostly because she's surprised he has a mustache. Just thought you should know. That's a good point. Like you think under think. there, it'd be clean shaven or just shaggy beard because like the whole point of wearing a helmet all the time is like. So so he must he likes that he wears that mustache for himself nobody else <laughs> it's true that mustache is for Din and nobody else Din and Baby Yoda <laughs> uh, Josh F I always assumed the stormtrooper outfits were more as a way to, more of a way to take away their individuality that's why the officers can show their faces they're meant to be more distinguished and listened to well they still have to wear the same gray outfits and funny hats so sure the armor is just basically plastic but I think it's purely psychological. I mean, my problem is I've read so much Stormtrooper lore and I've all the role playing game and the books where they were the fucking elite and they were psychologically and physically conditioned and trained and their arm storm. Their armor can do this and can and can can hold a vacuum that and can resist radiation and provides targeting computer and like in real time uh, strategic uh, GPS bullshit. And it turns out they're worse than a 20, much worse than 21st uh, century 
just army dude. You know, this is just rank and file army dude. So also, yeah. well, let's look. You don't have to do much to to strip away the individuality of a vat grown clone. Like true, <laughs> they invented stormtrooper armor when the <laughs> clones were wearing it. So like, right? That's true. like I don't know. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You're uh, right. You also, can see it that way now, but back when it was created, yeah. Oof. Uh, also feels like the Empire's millions upon millions of these stormtroopers. Oh, billions. Millions? Oh, this they, they have like a, a hundred thousand worlds in the Empire. Uh, they've got these guys scattered throughout the galaxy, so I'm not sure they would want to break the bank armoring all these grunts with metal armor that could be stolen and used against them. Uh, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, because the thing is, the Empire has the resources of an entire galaxy to draw upon. So, yeah, on the, but, but, yeah, so... It's hard. It's it's. I just think it's it's. I think it's it's a joke. The stormtroopers are have been a joke in the lore, and now they're making the joke uh, part of the canon. And and that's yeah. what happens a lot of times with these long-standing franchises, and like these fan and... jokes become lore that become inside jokes that then become and then it just, just a circle continues. Vincent, do you guys think this is the first time in the Mandalorian uh, in which being the Mandalorian being a kid show with zero gatekeeping actually hurt the plot? I know I'm not supposed to think hard about this, but then dabbling in all these interesting questions regarding morality, humanity, and forging your own rules, and just erasing all that by having the gang mow down endless waves of incompetent enemies, uh, as far as pirates and stormtroopers, definitely left a semi-bad taste in my mouth. Um, I, I don't know what to tell you, Vincent, because I've from the beginning, I saw the show for what I thought it was, and that observation pissed off a lot of people. And I wonder if some of those people are starting to see that start like noticing that and it bothers them. Whereas like, I've just, I don't care. Like this, this show, like it didn't, it hasn't done anything new or terrible in the last few weeks. It's just done more of the same, you know? So you, you might be able to yeah. see it more, but I don't think it's a problem. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Brent J from San Diego. Hey guys, thanks as always for great podcasting and all your other shenanigans. Thought you'd enjoy knowing that Valen Hess was played by none other than the great Richard Brake, who you may remember as the first iteration of the Night King on Game of Thrones, as well as Joe Chill from Batman Begins. I knew he looked familiar, but that's the guy that got the dragon glass shoved into his heart. He was the very first White Walker. Uh, and it was nice to have a little miniature Game of Thrones reunion here. Huh? Yeah. Um, let's see. We have two more left. Uh, dugout. I really enjoyed this episode, but the ending fell into a trope where the dramatic exit seems to override normal human interaction. Luke shows up, takes Grogu and walks out with very little dialogue, which seems odd given these characters would have a lot to talk about. He's got no interest in Moff Gideon or the dark saber. Doesn't check in with Cara <laughs> Dune or any information she might have to help the new Republic. No mention of Ahsoka. Uh, discussion of Bo-Katan, who spent years... So these are a lot of the same things that we talked about. Yeah, cut cut um, 90% of Gideon's lines, give him to, to uh, the Jedi and be done with it. Yeah, yeah. I realize this is barely a nitpick, but it always strikes me as funny when characters just bail in a conversation when there's clearly a lot of ground to le- the left to cover. But... Yeah, the, the, you know, I was talking to this with Jim, and like, I feel like that's... Yeah, if they'd done that, it would have ruined the Luke moment that they were building. Yeah. Um. And it's always better to go kind of for that stuff, I think, on a show like this than to the Council of Elrond, like you mentioned, like debriefing. Um, 
Finally, we have Scott said, lads, I can't help or can't tell you how much I'm enjoying your coverage of both the show and the expanse. Keep it up. And thanks. Well, thank you, Scott. Yeah. I can't wait to hear your discussion of the final episode of the season. How that narratively you had to hand it to the double F's. They went for it and stuck to the story. They've been leading towards all season. Uncanny of Valley effects, notwithstanding. Not for Dark Saber still to be resolved. I'd be okay with them finishing Mando's story right here. That's what I walked away from. The fact that this felt like the end of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and I always says, well, it does have something else. But like you talking about the Book of Boba being a plausible way to keep it being the Mandalorian, but not being about this Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. That feels like a sly uh, kind of thing they would do. And like you said, this, yeah. this feels like the, the showing of the face feels like a good jumping off point for something else. Mm-hmm. He goes, but my real takeaway from this episode is Jake the Muss about to star as Boba Fett in the King Conan film we all wish Schwarzenegger would have made. I never thought I'd see the day where Star Wars managed to be more metal in the la- than the last shot of the Conan the Barbarian but I could stand to see Aquaman's dad flying around the galaxy, kicking all kinds of space ass, wearing his father's helmet on a troubled brow. What do you think? I, yeah, that's a good. I, I I didn't think about that till you. I saw your email, but it did feel very much like you know old King Conan coming back and got the crown on the troubled brow. I I don't know what Boba Fett looks like as the new kingpin of the outer planets, or not. That's that's the expanse of the outer rim, you know. Yeah, uh, it feels like a grittier series than this show is than this 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 team is capable of making. But I don't like I said, maybe they will have a Star Wars After Dark spe- uh, special edition. Who knows? I, I, I thought that's what this show was going to be uh, before it started. Yep. And if they eventually get there, I guess I'm actually really cool with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've and if they have enough journey. properties, because you need to have stuff that kind of grows with the fan base. So, like, yeah. you know, have something for the kids, something for the whole family, something for the teens, something for the adults. Like, that's the way to really make a, a, a passionate fan base, you know? Then anyway. Then this is Disney. I don't know if they're going to go rated R with their Star Wars. So The mouse just might say no, even though that's a great idea. It just doesn't fit with their overall overall mission. So we'll see. Uh, Thank you for joining uh, along with us for this coverage of The Mandalorian. We've really had a lot of fun with season two. Uh, Appreciate all the support and all the great feedback we've gotten. Uh, Everyone that's downloaded our episode or gave us a rating or a review on iTunes uh, or uh, recommended us on the, The Mandalorian subreddits or wherever you go. Shared and liked our stuff. Really appreciate that. That's what helps us grow. Uh, we will be back. You know, we're if, if you're looking for stuff to listen to, I would recommend our Expanse podcast. Catch up on the Expanse over on Amazon. Check that out. Uh, we also have got um, Sci-Fi Sundays on Twitch.tv slash Bald Move. Every Sunday at 8 p.m., we'd watch some Sci-Fi stuff. We're going to be watching a bunch of Sci-Fi movies in the new year. Uh, so, and follow us on, uh, Twitter at bald move, uh, subscribe to bald move pulp and prestige. If you want to get all of our podcasts in the new year, cause there's going to be a lot of great new shows, not just on Disney plus, but all over the place. And we're going to try to cover as many as we can. Um, but yeah, that's it. Merry Christmas, Merry Mandalorian Christmas, a happy Mandalorian new year, happy life day, happy holidays. We'll see you when we see you. Uh, until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. This is the way. Thank you.